Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong and sometimes newfound friends discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. On this special concert series edition of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Ken Gregory and Joe Cass of Total Mass Retain as we discuss Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets. Bingo. Awesome. Gentlemen, Joe, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to talk with us. We've, we've been looking for excuses to talk to TMR anyway, but I couldn't help but notice, um, it, you know, it's it was actually kind of weird. I'm on Facebook probably three times a year, maybe. And one of the times that I was on, you were posting... Um, you know, pictures and stuff from from Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets. And what really struck me about that was when this tour was originally announced, I snatched up tickets right away. I'm like, ooh, they're coming to Dallas. Yay, I, I have to see this. And so I bought the tickets. And wouldn't you know it, I got sent uh, traveling for business on, mm. you know, right in, and the concert was right in the middle of that. So I ah. never got a chance to, to go see it. And then here I am on Facebook and I see you, you know, seeing not one, but two shows. Is that correct? We bought tickets for the second show during the first show. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, this is it. We need to talk to Joe and, and you can sort of, you know, share with us what you experienced. And apparently it was good enough that in the middle of it, you bought tickets for the second show. So well, that's correct. So, so <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe Bo, before you, before you go on, was this a commercial for ticket insurance? Did, <laughs> did, you, did you go the extra mile? I, people want to know. I did not go the extra mile. Um, oh. as, as, as a general life philosophy, I feel that insurance is slanted in their favor, not mine. So I roll the dice. In this particular instance, I got screwed. But, you know, I get sent to Europe once a year. So what are the chances, you know? Mm. Right. Eh, okay. All right. But, no but insurance. yeah, I mean, if, if you're a smarter man than me, you might then take my tale as a cautionary one advocating for um, ticket insurance. So... Okay. And the best ticket insurance is a good friend in every city. Forget that bullshit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. that's true. But uh, so it, it, you know, I, I would have very much liked to have seen this, although it was in, it was in a venue that we've actually talked about on the on the palaver before. That's, I don't know that it's the greatest venue. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm seeing the Yes Royal Tour at that same venue in july i believe so sure, you, you got to get it correct it's the royal affair you oh, can't just say royal i'm sorry the royal affair <laughs> yeah it's that bloody brilliant i thought it was a bloody brilliant idea man. <laughs> the royal affair well, I, I hear it in jeff i hear it in jeff's voice more than all the royal affair <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so you know I'm, I'm interested to see how this venue plays out with with a, a larger group. But anyway, be that as it may, yeah, I, yeah. I was I was very excited to see this show and very disappointed when I was unable to see the show. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's well. definitely disappointing. But like I said, it gives me the perfect excuse to talk to you. And, cool. uh, you know, maybe before we get into it, you know, do we want to take a couple of minutes just to, to talk about TMR and some of the things that that you've seen and done since the last time we spoke. I mean, it seems like you guys are adding new songs to your set all the time. Yeah. I mean, if you'd like to do that, that's fine. Um, I tend to be very shy, but certainly for you guys, I'll certainly <laughs> open up. Um, Total Mass Retain, Yes Tribute Band. It's, it's doing a lot of great things. We're in our runway period where you need to hone your craft and add material and garner interest and get management and booking and make deals. So we're in the process of a couple of conversations that could bring us closer to the edge of where we'd like to be in terms of booking. Ooh. We're playing every other month in the Bronx on a great stage. 
that supports us. We're hiring a light show, sound. Everything's really been better and better each show. Ken's made the drive. Ken has. So he's he's seen us yeah. do things like On the Silent Wings of Freedom and It Can Happen and stuff that Yes hasn't done since they released the album. And that's sort of the plan is we want to play things that everybody sort of knows and expects, but we have a recurring audience and a growing audience. So we play them things that are new and exciting as well. So we're doing Open Your Eyes and... We're bringing Brother of Mine back into the set for the next show. We're doing Silent Wings of Freedom and Holy Lamb, and it can happen. Our version of The Fish, which includes uh, you know, the little bit where they go into Tempest Fugit and Sound Chaser, but we're doing the whole outro of Sound Chaser through the cha-chas, through the keyboard solo. This is pretty wild. Wow. Cha-chas. I love it. I'm, I'm having the best time. I'll put it to you that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's phenomenal. I, uh, I, I can't wait until the stars align. And I get the chance to uh, to see you guys again, um, but who knows? I, it seems I find myself on the East Coast more and more frequently. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, like you said, the stars may align, but it's a uh, it's a growing and very fruitful in terms of passion and excitement and happiness. And I really do think that uh, the band is of a certain quality and ilk that has what it takes to be professional and successful so only time will tell that's great i i love it i i'm very very excited and like i said at some point we'll have to have maybe the uh you know a, yeah. a larger bunch of of the guys back on to sort of do an, an official uh check-in if you will but sounds good i appreciate you taking the time to to, to plug that and shout it out and uh Ken, do you have any words about TMR before we turn oh, around? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I can vouch for your sound, your lights, and your your, your set choices and the quality of your team. It, it, it's no small feat getting from uh, South Jersey to the Bronx, but but damn it, I've done it twice and I'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame that the drummer is shite, man. Uh, no, no, not at all. Not at all. And uh, you got some good vocals there, Joe. So you're not just a drummer. You're a full contributor. I appreciate that. You know, so Yes is my favorite band growing up. And here's a good pivot. You know, when I was in my my, I just showed you the uh, the Yes shrine of posters and autographs that my father had put together. And we didn't grow up listening to other bands to the same degree. Whatever was on the radio, the Who, the Stones, Zeppelin, but it wasn't like Prague. We're not Prague dudes. Uh, in terms of where we came from. But I got into college when I was in college, my best friends since birth were like exploring albums and they were like, well, Joe, have you heard all of the albums by the who? No, I've only heard what's on the radio. So we did all these album dives and pink Floyd. I'll never forget listening to Piper at the gates of dawn. And there were moments where we laughed and there was moments where you were like, what the hell? But I loved it. I loved the little catchy songs and, and all the silly things that Sid would do in in his song. So there are like 10-year memories slash uh, albums and songs that you just felt were going to always be in the archive. And then you're sitting in the front row of the balcony at the Beacon Theater, and they're ripping into songs that were just basically songs of legend from London 66, 7, whatever it was. And now you're seeing a band play it live to... uh, a, a very amazing degree in terms of performance and quality and sound and lighting. But then, you know, Nick Mason, the quiet Pink Floyd member who hasn't been the Roger Waters or David Gilmore of public ilk is there sort of putting on the most kick-ass Pink Floyd concert you've ever seen. So it was really <laughs> mind-blowing. It was really exciting. It was really trippy. It was a lot of amazing things. And like I said, in the middle of the concert, I said, well, I wonder what tickets they have for tomorrow. And they had front rows for the same price we had just paid for the front row and the balcony. And we just bought them. And me and my buddy went the next night, too. Made a, hey, this is never going to happen again excuse. I've said that a lot about concerts. We'll never see this again. <laughs> <laughs> right, so right, that's right. sort of the, the pivot from Yes to Pink Floyd. And it being one of my favorite bands of all time. Loving the early albums. And really being able to to see to perform live sometimes you wonder do you want to see a bunch of other people perform someone else's music uh which is kind of funny being in a tribute band but it's true i think it depends on who the artist is and what the music is as to whether or not you love it some people will love yes with john davison and some won't because they really 
are attached to John Anderson. And some people don't care who the lead singer of Journey is, and they just go with the songs because they love the songs. So I picked two random examples there just to kind of say that I think people's tastes come into play. But I loved the Nick Mason show. And he was killer on drums, and his drums sounded fucking awesome. Oh, all right. Good good segue. Coming up earlier than I thought. But, um, you know, part of what I dig about the Sid Barrett era, as short as it was, is the aesthetic of the drum in a room without effects, without the bells and whistles. And uh, I'm just, just curious how, how this plays out in the, uh, in, in the theater. Um, so, so, so at least YouTubing this uh, concert, it comes back a little bit bigger than the original recordings. The drums were very punchy. It's so hard to use like, non-drum related adjectives to describe the sound of drums because it's completely made up in your own head but i i felt that the drums were sort of like a deep resonant punch that didn't have a lot of like ring to it so they were clear and in your face and loud and it was just really good and of course he's got sort of that style that doom 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 that he didn't do a lot of on dark side of the moon and wish you were here but it was really present in a lot of the earlier stuff so his drumming was also very fluid and not just keeping time but a lot of filling space too so it was pretty cool to see him do all that and well okay i do like that so, so, some of the old 50s era wipeout fills and whatnot you get some of the toms in there you get some of the the hip shaking groovy stuff that, that that they did in the i don't know what you call that the uh, the hipster era of uh of, of the uk um yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, it's a youthful sound. It, it's it, it's, a, it's a little punkish. It's a little badass. I like it. Yeah, yeah, and it it was badass. Guy Pratt. Yeah, um, I was I was just looking at that. So go ahead, Ken. Well, I mean, watching him for years, he looks like he has such a great time on stage, and and, re- and reading the interviews with him. Uh, he said he came on a little bit strong, a little bit too 80s, a little bit too funky in the beginning. And then he found his niche in, in Pink Floyd. And uh, and the man sings really well, too. So I'm, I'm just wondering what it was like to experience his show, because uh, I, I have a good uh, an affinity for Guy Pratt. All the vocalists were very impressive at capturing what they needed to capture for each song. But Guy Pratt, you know, he's got the history with members of Pink Floyd. Um, yeah. he, he mentions it during the show that he's married to the daughter of Rick Wright. So he makes a comment about, you know, this next song was written by my son's grandfather. Wow. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's remember a day before today, a day when we were young. And it's a really, you know, trippy Rick Wright kind of piece, but it was, it's cool that he has that connection, but you know, he, he, he had a lot of great presence he shared the presence with all his band members, but he also threw in a bunch of John Entwistle riffs, which we were very excited about because I happened to ironically mention The Who as a band that at the time where I actually listened to all the Pink Floyd albums, I was listening to all the Who albums. And The Who could be my second favorite band. Could be. It's hard to say. But The Who could be. I love the freaking Who and I love Keith Moon. I love Entwistle. I love everything they did. Live at Leeds. He gave me, my friend Nikki, who was at the show with me, gave me Live at Leeds for my birthday. I think i was 21 and he said it's the gift that keeps on giving because we'd listen to it all the fucking time <laughs> but um guys bass playing was was spot on the rick sounded great like on all the early stuff his singing was great he kept throwing in giant whistle riffs and i guess i had enough to drink that we, <laughs> we, we he, he played a riff and i could have sworn that it was a chris squire riff from the song sweetness um but on the second night, when I wasn't drinking, because I was driving, I heard it again, and it was so similar. And I kept thinking, puts the sweetness in and stirs it with a spoon. But actually, I think it was getting in tune. And I, oh, I noticed that the okay. second. So ah, it was wow. a, I was fooled. <laughs> but, I but I won't get fooled again. So... Um, <laughs> The whole band was phenomenal. Unintended. Um, I, I, I regret that I'm 
I'm not sure everyone's name in the band, but the guitar player, well, there was two guitar players, but one looked like David Bowie, actually. It was kind of funny because he was singing the stuff that David Bowie was singing when he was like on the live with the David Gilmore stuff. I mean, live at Pompeii, David Gilmore uh, and live at Kedansk are two of the best sounding Pink Floyd shows of all time in yeah. my eyes. Yeah. So Nick's was right up there in terms of just sonic awesomeness and really putting it out there. I mean, it was cool. You know, and, and that's what you would hope for from someone, you know, associated with, with Pink Floyd. Because we've all been to shows, whether it's it's the just the, the, the live sound production or, or the hall or whatever, that just, they just don't sound good. And you're just like, ugh. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but you expect... Like I said, something something more certainly from from someone associated with with Pink Floyd. I've you know I've seen Gilmore's Pink Floyd several times back in the day, and I just saw um, Roger Waters' Us and Them what year or two ago, whenever that was, and I mean just stellar stuff. So according according to the wikis here, the the two guitarists are Gary Kemp and Lee Harris, by the way, and I'm, cool. I'm going to assume that we can trust the wikis on this. Yeah, that's right. The names are from. I looked it up. I just, I couldn't recall at the moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's that. That's why we have the Palaver Research Department here. <laughs> this that's deserves good. this deserves a mention because I mean, Gary Kemp has uh, a long career with Spando Ballet, so uh, it, it, it's interesting how these Brits all hobnob together and kind of you know make buddies, and 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 it's good that Nick. Uh, picked up this team because they, yeah. they they really do the vocals justice. And they really do a great. They really job. do. I I certainly feel very powerfully that they did. And you know, again, the set list. We we could probably talk about the set list a bit. There were some songs where I was like, "What's this?" You know, and it was, uh, I would know like two song names off of, uh, "Obscured by Clouds." And my favorite title track is "What's uh the Deal." Uh huh. Not title track, mm -hmm. my favorite song title. But they didn't play that. But anytime I didn't know the song, like three or four times I turned to my buddy, it's like, what's uh, the deal? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then he'd be like, no, I think this is uh, the Nile. Oh, okay, yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, what I was going to say real quick, the Beacon. It's worth talking about the Beacon Theater. So the Beacon what? Theater, as a New York City guy, is a legendary quality place to play. In terms of the theater itself has a very classy New York City elegance. Uh, and then you put a bunch of Yes fans in there and it's wild. <laughs> but <laughs> I saw my first Yes, no, no, no. My first Yes concert was the Talk Tour, 94, 95. The first, when Yes came, I keep saying the first, but I saw Yes at the Beacon for the first time, thank you, uh, in 97 for the Open Your Eyes Tour. And, you know, that, that was when I was 10 years old and my father was like, Joey, you know, run up to the front of the stage and make sure Chris sees you like that kind of, you know, good fatherly <laughs> advice, which truthfully for my life has been like amazing fatherly advice. Yeah, no kidding. Um, That's amazing. Because it got to the point where like, Chris was like, I thought you were just some crazy fucking fan and here you are playing Gates of Delirium. We had like some uh, like revealing <laughs> moments. Like, well, yeah, my father's the crazy one, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm just so the product to, of my upbringing. <laughs> that's right. So like my first memories of Chris Guire and bit like Billy and Chris throwing me a pick while I'm leaning on the rail. Each of them threw me a pick in the same night. Uh, I was in the front row for the Encore, all the Beacon Theater shows, and they played there a couple of times a year, 97, 98, 99. So the Beacon is a special place to me. ARW played there. Just I've, I'm seeing Steve Hackett there uh, in September. So it's a wonderful venue. Selling England by the Pound Tour, right? Yeah, which is my favorite Genesis album. Although my, my favorite Genesis song to yell is Land of Confusion, because I do love that song and video from when I was a kid. <laughs> We good. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> we're gonna put on that. Yeah, we're we're, so the guy, we're getting ready to cover that, and I'm personally conflicted about Land of Confusion, but that's okay. It's all right. The guy who who does my light show, his name is Rob Russell. I met him at a Steve Hackett concert, and I hung out with him on the cruise to the edge. He's got a Pink Floyd and Genesis tribute band that they call Prognosis, which is cool. 
he does these crazy light shows and screens. So he's my guy. But anyway, I, I always yell at his band, you know, land of confusion. But I, I don't want to want to take too much time off the subject. So the beacon, I mean, you can see a cool DVD. The stones did there, you know, they made this whole thing about Scorsese's directing it and all this other shit. So you can see the beacon pretty well in the stones DVD. If you want to get a sense. Um, so the theater itself is wonderful, great location in the city. And, the ambiance is great. The sound is always amazing. So it's a great theater in and of itself. We talked about the importance of that. And then the band was powerful and loud. There were some points where I was like, they're fucking loud, rock and roll, you know? Meanwhile, it's like the song, A Saucer Full of Secrets. And it, most people would not say that that's rock and roll, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Um, back to what Nick said when he announced this band in the summer of 2018. It's not a tribute band. They're doing interpretations. They're taking it in their own direction. And uh, it's probably a lot better for him. I don't see them taking a significant amount of liberties where you were like, hey, why did they do that? Certainly the live approach to, well, how should we end a song or how do we transition a song was very, very well done. It looks like Guy Pratt constantly was the guy who would turn to Nick Mason to be like, we have a cue coming up, you know, and Nick would smile back and they'd hit that cue. So it was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a good bunch of guys. Uh, uh, that, um, that other guitar player. Yeah. He was, he was pretty sly. I kind of liked his stuff. Lee Harris. Want to give him credit uh, Lee. for ju just, just being the, the dude with the fender in the corner. Um, he, yeah. but he, he had the licks, man. He had some nice chops coming he out. Did. of that thing. He had the sounds. That's the other thing. I mean, there's a signature sound that you need to pull off and whether it was, you know, the acoustic stuff or the other types of, I don't know if there are other stringed instruments There could have been ukulele. There could have been some different things throughout the songs that I just, I'm not thinking of offhand, but they really captured it extremely well, extremely well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, Dom Beckon on the keyboards. Uh, he, he seemed to be a late addition, but he was a workhorse. He had an, ar an arsenal of sound backing up that stuff, uh, emulating some of that vintage stuff. Yeah, and that's what's cool about it. It's not the, oh, wow, he's playing, you know, Welcome to the Machine. It's like, no, he's got that that screaming hipster. Like, you talk about that hipster organ. Yeah, yeah. I, I always think of, like, Matilda Mother. It's like that hippie 60s. You know, like Austin Powers is kind of spoofing it, but this is the real thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's probably yeah, baby. You know, little Farfisa organs, not the big B3s and whatnot. Then they, they had the little, the little chumpies. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and apparently Dom is was connected with Rick Wright as well. Um, I guess they had That's cool. collaborated on a bunch of stuff together, so he's certainly in the family there. You know, it, nice. Nick Nick apparently you know knows how to put a band together. He really does. With a smile on his face, with a very dry English sense of humor, he would talk on the mic, and you can tell he was just sort of like, well, you know, we've played this song only seven times before, and it's going to be the eighth now. You know, like he just <laughs> had a very English demeanor, very English demeanor in terms of the way he presented himself. So Not a, not a cynical one like Roger, but like the English gentleman, right? the stoic man. Yeah. So, so Nick Mason's name is is on the tour. Was Nick Mason then the the host of the evening? Or yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. He was the host. He had the mic in his hands at one point, and he was talking. You know, after most songs, at times he was funny. At times he was this next song is da 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 da. You know, um, Guy Pratt did the introduction for "Remember a Day" to kind of shout out his grand his wife's father. Aka, he kept he referred to it as my son's grandfather. Right. At one point, he's making a joke, and he he made the joke the second night as well. He's like, you know, oh, you know, I I never used to be able to. The one thing I never was able to do in Pink Floyd was hit the gong. You know, Roger would always hit the gong, and everybody laughed. Right. So the second night, that's how it went down. And then he hits he hits the gong during, um, set the controls for the heart of the sun. So I'm working backwards here because the first night he made the joke. And Roger came out with the mallet in his hand. Oh, oh seriously? Nice. Did you lose your shit? This, <laughs> this was a, it was electric because I was turned slightly to my right, you know, 
making a Pink Floyd joke to my best friend Larry. I was with Larry and Nick, the two brothers that are my friends since I was born. I have a lot of best friends, but they're my originals. So Larry and Nick are there. Those are the guys who, you know, I listened to Pink Floyd albums with for the first time, laughing at, you know, alone on a cloud all blue. Or my favorite is Power R Tark H, right? And they're like, doi doi, boom, <laughs> all the crazy noises. So we make, like, every once in a while, we'll just look at each other and go, doi doi. And his, uh, his, his one year old son, his one year old son runs around yelling, doi doi, thanks to us. So anyway, um, I look at Larry on my right and Nick goes, holy shit. <laughs> and I look up and Roger Waters is walking on stage. And that was like, that was a real big oh shit moment because that was one of the greatest possible special guests. Uh, you know, you, Billy Joel will bring out McCartney and different people bring out different people. But it's not like a Beatles bringing out a Beatles. Sometimes that happens and it's like over the top. This was a Pink Floyd member bringing out a Pink Floyd member. Yeah. Which is almost, almost unprecedented if you think of history. It's happened. But never Nick, never Nick bringing on Roger. So... It was crazy. The place went bananas. Everybody's full. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I, I I did a Facebook live for this, and yeah, you know, for the first time, I felt like I was like, uh, and I don't want to be disrespectful about it, but like one of those like internet supermodels that gets thousands of likes or whatever. Yeah. you know, I post that the band's playing and. You know, the earth provides me with like a total of 200 likes, but then you know, some hot chick posts something or hot guy, whatever will go both ways. It's 2019. It gets a thousand likes. I had more people liking and sharing this post than I've ever had. And half the people I want to say were Latin American, probably South American. They were not my friends. Their names were not in English. They were not their names, but their comments rather. Yeah. Their comments were not in English. Um, <laughs> And I had been, I've been teaching myself Spanish. No hablo español muy bien, pero estoy aprendiendo y Google es mi amigo. So I've been teaching myself Spanish and I'm getting all these comments from people that are all South American and they love Pink Floyd in South America. They love it. So I got like hundreds of shares, which was pretty cool because it, it was a meaningful moment that I was able to share, probably along with a thousand other people. But, you know, it was all great. Right. Well, we don't see any Latin American dates, but let, let's really quick just plug Nick. Nick Mason and his saucer full of secrets has dates in Germany, Switzerland, France, three in Italy, and one in Malta. 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 So I don't know, Joe, if you can do a crash course in Italian. Porto <laughs> <laughs> bene. I'm Italian, so I could, I could mess with that. Do it, do it. I can only imagine what the the atmosphere was like having seen that. I mean, I've been to concerts where, you know, special guests have come out. When when I was younger, it wasn't anyone quite of the of the stature of Roger Waters showing up at a Nick Mason show. Obviously, we here on the Palaver talked at great length about um Tony K joining, yes, last summer and and even though you knew that was going to happen, it was still very electric. I can only imagine the huge element of surprise that that came in here. That just that sounds yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Well, Tony tore it up. That that's what happened. Yeah, there. Tony did Let's tear say, it up. Can, can I may I take a moment to talk about Tony K then? Yes, please. Yeah. We love Tony K. We love Tony I'm, K. I'm, I'm looking at up at my wall, and there's a there's a Union Tour poster. It says Yes Magazine on top, and there he is, Tony K from 1990. You know, a guy that uh, I think the story is that my father had me and my younger brother. We were seven and six years old, and we're at the hotel bar. And my father said to Tony, "Will you watch the boys for a minute?" And he went to the men's room, <laughs> and we were standing there with Tony K. And Tony's the one who told me that story. So, <laughs> if I had to say this very quickly, I, I've Tony's the kind of guy that developed like a heartfelt relationship with the, you know as friends and. He's a really sweet dude, but he fucking killed it on that. So he brought that show to another level. He brought the energy to the stage that was needed at that point in the show at the encore. I mean, you know, then you had Alan joining the band for it was just a, it was it was like the electrifying moment of the Yes show in terms of crowd energy. And let's face it, these days it's not always easy to get the whole crowd on their feet. Um, my father's infamous for standing up. But everyone else is sitting down. And, you know, oh, we could have a whole palaver on that. No That's, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> down in front. That's all we get when we go to shows. Yeah. I mean, my father's like, I'm energizing the band. 
John Davis is looking at me and he's feeling the power. I'm giving him the power. You know. <laughs> Want to know something? No, it, it sounds crazy. Uh, if a lot of my Yes fans and our Yes fan friends listen to this, they'd laugh because they know it's true, but it's also true. So credit where credit is due. But Tony was Tony was a, a huge presence. <clears throat> but like, you know, you, you mentioned it. You knew it was going to happen. He's the kind of guy who, you know, he was at Rosfest this past weekend in Florida with uh, the Red Spring Festival and, and with Patrick and my buddy John Cuny's got the picture with Patrick and Tony. So they're like down to earth guys. Roger Waters is like the kind of guy that you expect lives in outer space and returns to the planet when he has a meeting. You don't expect you don't expect him to become more accessible than the legend that he is, and he did. And it was fucking cool. It was a once in a lifetime thing, honestly. It's and, big. And to have Roger Waters of all people come in as part of the joke, I mean that that's even more remarkable, I think. It really was. <laughs> Set the controls for the heart of the sun is just a very early Pink Floyd. It's got the ambiance, it's got the mood, it's got the darkness, but <clears throat> excuse me, it's um it's a song that you know, me and my friends did a version of it when we were jamming in my basement. But that's the song I said, no, guys, turn the lights off. And we played it in the dark, you know, <laughs> stupid things like that teenagers did when when they jammed, set the controls for the heart of the sun. <laughs> so it also had a special meaning for me and my best friend that this is the song he came out to do and he sang it. And it was so cool. And then they had a whole thing about the gong at the end and they were smashing the hell out of it. And then, honestly, you ask yourself. What can they possibly do next to carry on the show? Because he walked off stage, and it was funny. Like Nick was like, "If you if you don't mind, can we please have Roger? Roger, come out, please do another bow." And like Roger's nowhere to be found. It was kind of funny. (laughs) But again, that that gentlemanly thing. But then at the end of the night, Roger walked down with a glass of wine. Would you believe it? (laughs) (laughs) So they they have wine in outer space. Yeah. It must be some good stuff. How do you how do you make wine without gravity? It's kind of interesting. <laughs> he will know. Anyway, CMLE play bike. Yeah, they, one of they, these they, days. So he was keeping those in his back pocket, right? That's right. Thank you, and I appreciate the research team feeding you that information the second <laughs> it was relevant because <laughs> that was exactly the answer to my how the hell you know are they going to recover from that. And they blasted into CMLE play. They blasted into bike. They did the full ending of bike with all the crazy noises, which I love. Um, and then they went into one of these days, and they had the sub, the speakers, the subwoofers. They blasted. You felt the freaking power of that song. It was like it elevated levels, and it really sent yeah. you. In into another dimension of like concert experience really just when you feel that power you know it's like when a band hitting is they hit their climax at that point you didn't know that it was going to be their climax but it just bang you know Mm -hmm. awesome Mm -hmm. did you have metal as a kid no Mm. yeah it came late for me too but I mean, I guess I had heard some of this stuff on FM radio but one of these days man it just hits you right in the forehead and you're just yeah one of these days Again, just to kind of reiterate a little bit, if it wasn't a Yes album, it was very rare that I had 70s albums. I heard songs from classic rock radio, New York 104.3, Q1043's famous. But, you know, my father played the radio and I heard a ton of songs throughout history every day in the car or Yes albums. And when Yes albums came out every year that they came out, we listened to that album the entire year on <laughs> down the block. Home is our world. Oh, not, you know, because he'd put on Homeworld on the way home because he's my dad or something like that. <laughs> so um, this hit a level of it really was amazing. But I didn't have those albums growing up. It was in co- not to sound cliche in college is when I got into Floyd. Right. That's actually <laughs> That's what you do. the way it worked. But I was in college, you know, in 2005, six, seven, eight, nine. So, I mean, I graduated in 09 from college studied accounting i'm a director at a consulting firm so that's like the day job you know sure but anyway um the day job paid for nick mason tickets two nights in a row so giddy up (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah not not that i've got a night job but my day job pays for me to jet back and forth to philly all the time to see concerts with ken so (laughs) (laughs) you know ken made the the comment 
he literally drove from South Jersey to. The, I would never do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> if yes, if yes was playing in Philly uh, on a Friday night, and I had to let's say work that day. I would be like, yeah, I'm never going to drive to Philly that afternoon, you know, <laughs> and you went out of your way for little old me. And it was um, something that we talked about a lot, you know, within the band. And we made the joke like, you know, Mark, the guitar player, Joel, the bass player, and I were on the show, but we want to get John and, uh, and the keyboard player. And <laughs> they the need their own player. show. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, if I say John, some people think I mean the singer, but the singer's Terry. Right, we right. gotta get Terry and and John so they could talk bad about me on 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 the air. <laughs> we look forward to that. That'll be great. <laughs> T- Terry's got a good vibe. He on on social media, he's the spiritual guy. And I'm not gonna say he approaches the the realm of John Anderson. There's a, there's an ethereal spiritual quality there that cannot be touched. It's just unique yeah. to John Anderson. But Terry does a good job in just he's got a very positive vibe. He rolls well, with that I like that. John Anderson is going to be considered a spiritual icon for anyone who's a yes fan. So there's no being John Anderson, right? But <laughs> John Anderson's not the only person who's had spiritual life experiences. And that's how I would describe Terry. Terry is a man who has lived and has also found a spiritual connection with life and humanity and animals and the earth. And, you know, he he just really feels connected and, and passionate in a very positive way. He believes in healing in terms of physical if you're sick or, or mental in terms of you have to live your life and move on and be a good person to people you know he's just someone who's taught me a lot about overlooking bullshit to be a good person and i've always tried to do that especially as a yes fan you know i've seen all good people as a mantra of mine with love and care is how i do everything but terry's got this vibe that is like ironically coincidental or whichever one of the two <laughs> because he's not he didn't grow up you know taking pictures of john anderson he you know he, he sends a video and he goes dude John wore this. I'm not fucking wearing this. <laughs> so, you know, the guy is a man's man who who uh, who happens to have a very spiritual side, and he he sings in the amazing timber and and quality of voice without having to pretend or sing in like a, a falsetto. And don't get me wrong, you know, anybody who can pull off John Anderson in any way for the spirit of having a yes song played live, good for them. That's how I see it. So. Oh, yeah. You know, to have to be overly critical of singers of yes music is kind of like, well, you're 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 judging a very unique thing. Yeah. But um, at least at, at this level, right? If you're playing in yes, then people are going to judge. Yes fans aren't <laughs> judgmental. What am I talking about? <laughs> Not at all. But Pink Floyd fans, Pink Floyd fans are another breed. Oh. You know, at the, I, I I had these printed cards that i was going to hand out for like total mass retain stuff and i said yeah you know what when i was at the john solo shows i was you know i was <laughs> i was telling people that we're the motley crew of yes tribute bands because we having- <laughs> i like we that having- <laughs> i i honestly it's i would take a lot of pride in that we just saw the movie the dirt and i love motley crew as a late there's a mid-20s late 20s like yeah you know what this music is sexy and it does get me you know, it gets the yeah. and it makes you want to go out there and rock and roll. So I didn't think well, of that. So, you're roundabout and you're Starship Trooper. It's a little grit there, man. I like it. You know, you give it a little punch. It feels <laughs> really good. So well, you know, the first live version of that I saw was 94. Sorry, um, 84, 9012 Live was the version I grew up watching. So I play it like I'm at the Garden, you know? Joe, you've given us really a good flavor, I think, for for this this nick mason show that i didn't get to go and i'm 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 having perhaps even more i don't know if regret is the right word um <laughs> that i didn't get to see yeah. this but no i feel you it's fomo yeah but it's the fear of missing out feeling i know but but i want to ask you two two sort of quick questions we we, we spent you know a, a pretty decent amount of time talking about the the back part of the set after after Roger came on but it's a huge set it, it, was there yeah. was there any was there any other song throughout you know the the night that that really just you know fired up your engine and you're like I can't believe they played that I never thought I would ever see that in my life and then the the second question that you can address in in whatever order is you know, compare and contrast the the two nights. So you you saw two nights in a row, and we we've done that sort of thing 
um, before here, and you know, you, you can get sort of a different feel, plus you were in a completely different part of the theater each night, so yeah, I, I'm curious. So we sat in the front row of the balcony the first night. I'm going to go backwards on your question. Sure. And the front row of the theater the second night. Uh, the human element is obviously more present. I love sitting up front. It's it's a, I just want to watch them play. And Guy Pratt, you know, like I was air rocking out with him at one point, and, and he was like nodding to us a few times because he saw we were really into it. Like the music had our – for those who are listening, we're actually doing a video chat um, so we can see each other. Hi, gentlemen. And I kind of had this rock and roll face like, yeah, these guys are <laughs> rocking. Um, what moments were they rocking? Well, you know, he broke out into a little bit of like – he had a buzzard bass, and I don't know if I'm saying the brand or everything properly, but the Giant Whistle buzzard bass, if you Googled it, it would come up, but he had like a version of it, and he was really carrying this fat tone that was true to the music, but it had like an end whistle live ass-kicking feel to it, which was cool, because um, I don't know that many people will necessarily think of Pink Floyd as a bass band, right? but the bass on the first few albums is, you know... A guy who's a contemporary of Paul McCartney doing it in a different type of melodic way. So I give Roger Waters a, a high high marks for his bass playing on the early stuff. Really good stuff. Playing a Rickenbacker sounds great. I mean, there's just great bass. I would say that I attribute great bass lines with the earlier Pink Floyd stuff. Um, the the masterpieces of the later era were more they're different on their own merit, but this was more raw bass playing of like the McCartney Squire esque feel so but guy pratt was also doing ent whistle lines so he was like doing an ent whistle line i told you the first <laughs> night i thought i heard go do me a favor when you can you put on the song sweetness off the first yes album not to be confused with the yes album right. the first album yes yeah. um there was this bass line that squire does leading into the verse of sweetness and i thought that guy pratt did it on the first night so one of the other differences between the first night and the second night was dominican rum um my favorite brand of rum is called Brugal, and they, you know, in, in the U.S. they they sell regular levels of it, like in terms of like Johnny Black, Red, Green, Gold, whatever they are. But there's a higher level of Brugal rum that they only sell in DR. So I had a bottle of that that I poured into some a Poland Springs bottle and drank that on the way into the show. So I was feeling great. That was part of the difference of the experience, if I have to be honest. Um, watching Nick play from right up close and hearing the actual drums as opposed to the drums through the PA was another experience for me as a drummer. Very cool. Because his drums really sounded very nice, good. Nice, nice, nice. Um, they played the same set list. But, you know, you asked me in the first question, which was about seven hours ago at this point, because I was rambling on. <laughs> um, the first question was, there any moments that blow me away? And it was more about... Oh, I'm so happy they're playing this song. Like, again, Remember a Day or I'm trying to think of like they played Matilda Mother and they played Bike and they played, you know, C. Emily Play and Arnold Lane and they played some, you know, some funky or weird stuff that was like, which one is this? Like I told you. And I just kept saying, what's uh, the deal? Because we knew it was from Obscured by Clouds, but didn't know what it was. Right. So anyway, um, that that. That song after song feeling of all of it is like, I can't believe we're hearing it live. You asked me if there's anything you were shocked and it was all of it, you know? And that was part of the, the vibe of the show. The whole show is like a shock. You know, it's like, boom. Yeah. And this is amazing. You know, just looking at the set list, it's easy to imagine that because, you know, it, it's, it's one thing for, you know, a, a band of, of that vintage to, you know, be touring at all or, or, or members of the band and, and, you know, they'll maybe pull out some, some interesting track or two, but this entire set is built around yeah. things that, you know, most people alive have never heard. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And the impact that that music was, has live, you know, it was not disappointing. It was just a hundred. I would give it a 10 out of a 10, a hundred out of a hundred. It was really cool. That's awesome. I love it. Ken, anything to uh, finish up here so we don't go on all night long, which we, I think we probably <laughs> could at this point. But <laughs> Well, my, 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 my favorite uh, Roger Waters ear candy, um, I, 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 they played If, so um, uh, in preparation yes. for this chat, I, I put together a nice Spotify playlist with the studio versions 
of Nick Mason's set list. And right. I just I just love hitting if and and my favorite ear candy here is, you know, if if if, if you're the least bit curious, cue up that tune and then cue up the track, the final cut. And just every time Roger Waters says the word if, I get chills. <laughs> cool. Uh, so he says, if I show you my dark side, will you still hold me tonight? And if I open my heart to you and show you my weak side, what would you do? Roger Waters just like cuts right through me. Right. Because it's just, it's the same question. He's asking you directly almost these questions and who he is at that time is two different people. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I dig that. One of one of my favorite lines is his commentary about friendships. And he says, you know, and if I were a good man, I'd talk to you more often than I do, you know, and it's like, hmm, you know, it's an interesting take on things. And then, uh, oh, the one disappointing moment. And maybe I'm just crazy here. And this is me being a silly early Pink Floyd fan. In the song, If, a am I correct? That after the line, please don't put your eyes in my brain. There's a crazy noise. There's something going on. Oh, I love that line. But, yeah. but is there like a crazy noise afterwards? It sounds like a drill or something like that, right? <laughs> I don't know what they're doing there, but sure. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty trippy. Yeah. I, I feel like they didn't do the sound effect, and I was very upset. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, m maybe, maybe they'll do it in uh, Italy, so... Yeah. I think they'll come back. They should come back. There's plenty of material to to revamp the set list. Even if they change 25% of the set list, that's, that's a lot compared to how bands do these two, three-year leg tours and play the same shit. So I think that there's a lot of potential for them to be successful. They're what Steve Hackett is to Genesis, right? He's not Phil Collins, and he's not Peter Gabriel, but he puts on the best fucking Genesis show. <laughs> so, you know, and like he's got some analogy. of the best. he's got some of the best musicians. I mean, Nad... Nad Sylvan, who sings for him, is yeah. unbelievable. He's a great dude. True. The whole band, they've had some rock star bass players. Now they got Jonas. Whatever, I'm not going to get too off track here. But you should see Steve Hackett if you're a classic Genesis fan and a Steve Hackett guitar player fan. And you should see Nick Mason if you're a Pink Floyd fan because you're never going to see anything like it. And that's in a world where there are people who have seen 100 concerts by The Machine or Australian Pink Floyd or Brit Pink Floyd. He does make a joke about that. He says, we're not Roger and the British Floyds, and we're not David and the Dutch Pink Floyd tribute band. <laughs> <laughs> we're Nick Mason and the Sourceful of Secrets band. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't quote it correctly, but the idea is he kind of picked like Roger and David's names, and then he also picked like a different country where they have tribute bands. So in a world where there's all that, this was still the greatest Pink Floyd concert I think you could ever see. That's fantastic. I love it. Joe, thank you so much for taking some time out of your uh, busy schedule to talk with us tonight and and clue us in on on a show that we didn't get to experience this time around. But you give me hope, so I'm gonna I'm gonna cross my fingers and I'm gonna hope that that Nick continues to extend and comes back to the states and I'll have a chance for a redo. Yeah, and if they play in Philly, maybe we'll try to go together. But hey, that'd be awesome. All right, you know, I really go ahead, Ken. Well, there, 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 there's, there's one more uh, surviving member of Pink Floyd that maybe you know if we just if we just pray really hard might you know come on stage with uh, Nick and, and you know that that would be the guitar player. So you know, no yeah. one's holding their breath, but it might happen. Might happen in Philly. Who knows? Could happen. Maybe it'll happen in Europe. They've got to keep Roger and David on separate continents. <laughs> <laughs> That's how big Pink Floyd is. The band members have to be on separate fucking continents. Well, 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 well I joke. I'm only allowed out when uh, George Soros lets me out of his cage, and maybe that's the same thing for Roger. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> pick your joke, but uh, yeah, yeah, you got to you got to keep them separated. That's no doubt. That's great. All right, so that's going to uh, to put a pin in this special concert series edition of Progressive Palaver on. Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets. So huge thanks to Friend of the Palaver and uh, TMR um, Wonder Man, Joe Cass, Kenny G, thanks as always for, for being along for the ride. We, uh, we encourage all of our listeners 
who if, if you've seen Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets and you have your own thoughts or comments, please reach out to us. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We are at Progpala on all of those, or you can search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is, as always, available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Joe, where can uh, people find you and TMR? Friday, May 17th, in the Boogie Down Bronx at a great venue called Brewski's Bar and Grill. Awesome. You can find me on Facebook, Joe Cass, J-O-E, space C-A-S-S, Total Mass Retain, Yes Tribute, Total Mass Retain on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. You can find me out there, and we try to keep it exciting. You know, we're the Motley Crew of Yes Tribute Bands, so wild. Right. Love it. All right. So thank you guys very much. I appreciate you. your friendship, appreciate your professionalism and conducting an interview and having a great time on a Monday night. Absolutely. Thank you very much. So oh, remember us when you move to Rio. That's all I can say. <laughs> remember a day before today. <laughs> so until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers. First night, he made the joke, and Roger came out with the mallet in his hand. Oh, oh seriously? Nice. Did you lose your shit? This, <laughs> this was a, it was electric because I was turned slightly to my right, you know, making a Pink Floyd joke to my best friend Larry. I was with Larry and Nick, the two brothers that are my friends since I was born. I have a lot of best friends, but they're my originals. So Larry and Nick are there. Those are the guys who, you know, I listened to Pink Floyd albums with for the first time, laughing at, you know, alone on a cloud, all blue. Or my favorite is Power R Tark H, right? And they're like, doi doi, boom, <laughs> all the crazy noises. So we make, like, every once in a while, we'll just look at each other and go, doi doi. <laughs>